Well, good morning, Crossing Church. Um, what a dreary day it is. <laughs> it was nice and cold this morning. I was like, man, uh, it'd be good to sleep in. Good job. <laughs> All right, I'm not the only one? All right, sounds good. Um, so first and foremost, um, I'm probably going to point back towards the cross several times during my sermon because that's what I'm used to doing. Uh, we had a little snafu with the uh, curtains and drapes and whatnot. So we had a choice between either having a stick uh, or nothing, and we chose uh, nothing right now. So, uh, so I apologize for that, but uh, K through 5th, um, welcome to the service. So if you have a kindergarten through 5th grader, that's, it's cool. If they're in here, welcome. Uh, we do this every month or so just to bring them in and let them see what we do, what, what, what worship looks like, what the whole thing looks like as, as adults. Um, you guys all should have gotten something. I promise these aren't like Valentine's Day leftovers. It was just the best thing I could find on Amazon, okay? So, so you should have gotten this little red heart, which, by the way, has like three little of those, um, you know, sticky hands and like these little sticky things. So I, I currently, I apologize in advance, parents. I personally currently have a red sticky man stuck to my ceiling that I can't reach. <laughs> Thank you, daughters. Um, so I told them they had to put them away. They couldn't open up anymore. Um, so good luck with that. Um, I'll let you know when he falls, okay? Um, but this is going to be what we're talking about today. We're in Judges chapter 17 and 18, and we're, and we're finishing up the book of Judges. And so um, for, for the kids, and really for us, right, I want you guys to have like an, an object, a, like what are we talking about? And what we're talking about this morning is worship. What are we doing here? Why are we here? What's, why do we do this thing we call church? Why do we even spend the time to do that? And what we're going to see in, in Judges, right, is that we're going to see kind of three different people slash entities, right? You're, we're going to have this guy named Micah, uh, and then we're going to have this Levite. His name is Jonathan. We don't really figure that out until later on, but, but there's this Levite uh, who's basically like uh, just from the tribe of Levi, um, and then we have the entire tribe of Dan in Israel, okay? So those are the three stories that we're going to jump through. And what we're going to see in each one of these things, in each one as we go through 17 and 18, we're going to see that, that their worship of God became not that. It, it became something completely uh, opposite of that. In fact, it became self-worship. It became they transformed what God had, had created for us, and they made it into something that served them. And each one of them takes this step deeper and deeper. And we've seen this as we've been going through Judges, right? Like, this cycle has been going on. Right? They, the, the Hebrews, uh, the Israelites are obedient to God, and then they, they disobey, and they rebel. And then they are punished and disciplined by God, and they cry out, and God rescues them, and the cycle repeats over and over. And Samson, we talked about last week, right? I think that was last week. Anyway, um, yeah, I think so. Uh, and we, we talked about Samson, right, and, and how he was this judge, but really we saw like it didn't, he never really did anything for God. It was for him. And we're seeing the decline of Israel. We're seeing, we're, we're, we're right about the, uh, 
13th century to the 10th century BC is kind of the timeline that we're operating in. And, and what we're seeing is this, this increase in depravity, this increase of self-worship, this increase of really rebellion. And what we're going to see, though, this morning is that the things that cause them to do this are subtle. They're, they're heart problems. They're not, they're not these overt, I'm going to rebel against God. It's this way, this shade, this little shift that takes the worship of God. What we're doing here this morning, what we were singing, I mean, we couldn't have picked a better song of Hosanna. Right, like this celebration of who God is, but oftentimes we're not really coming in here for that reason. And so we're going to kind of step through that. And, and this morning I would, I would ask all of us to like really check our hearts. What, what is, what's our why? What, what are we doing here? What, are we going through motions? And, and we're going to step through these things. And some of them you may be like, that's not me. But some of them you may be like, yeah, that's actually that actually defines my why pretty to a T. And so we're, we're, we, we look at judges, we look at this, at scripture, and we set it in authority over us, and we say, like, this is God communicating to us. This is, we should read through judges as a cautionary tale for us to look at that and go, okay, I can see where this leads. I can see the logical steps where this is going to take me. Before we jump in, let me pray. Father, we thank you so much. Um, for this opportunity to come before you, uh, to seek your face this morning, Father, to worship you, to be changed by you so that we can glorify you. That's our single purpose, Father, is to glorify you. And um, I just pray, Father, that this morning as we, as we read through your word that you would help us to, to see that, to recognize it, and... Um, just be transformed as we behold your glory. We love you, Father. We thank you for your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to start in Judges chapter 17. Okay, we're going to go through 17 and 18. The verses will be on the uh, screens. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump through these fairly quickly, okay? We're not going to hit all of the verses, but I'm going to try to summarize in between them so that you can get the storyline uh, to apply it. I will tell you guys, I read Judges chapter 17 and 18, I went, oh my. And honestly, next week, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where, I mean, wow, you can read ahead if you like, but mm, I, I don't, and, and this is what I do, like, I come before this and I'm reading it and I'm like, what, why, what, how is God, how is he using this? But in faith, I know that this is his, his word, right? And so he, he, there's a purpose, there's a reason for it. And so it's just for us to discover. And so as, as, I, as I start churning through chapters 17 and 18, I'm like, oh, oh, I get it. I see. But it takes some, takes some effort. And honestly, I could, I could use your prayers for next week because it's, it's, a, it's a doozy. All right. Um, so we're going to start in chapter 17, verse 1. It says, there was a man of the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said to his mother, the 1,100 pieces of silver that were taken from you, about which you uttered a curse and also spoke it in my ears, behold, the silver is with me. I took it. Okay, so like it just starts out really weird. So we've got this guy who just steals from his mom. And he's living, he's, he's an Israelite, he lives in Ephraim. And his mother said, blessed 
<laughs> be my son by the Lord. And he restored the 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother. And his mother said, I dedicate the silver to the Lord from my hand for my son to make a carved image and a metal image. Now, therefore, I will restore it to you. Okay, so, so she's excited. She's happy. She blesses her son because he returned something that he stole from her. <laughs> Super weird. And then she says, I'm going to dedicate this silver to the Lord. Let's go make an idol. Like you. <laughs> so when he restored the money to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver, gave it to the silversmith, who made it into a carved image and a metal image. And it was in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine. And he made an ephod and household gods and ordained one of his sons who became his priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And we've seen this throughout Judges, right? Everyone's doing what's, what's right in their own eyes. They're, they're going, okay, well, I, I think this is good. I think this is a good thing to do. It's scary. Why? Because Jeremiah 79 says that we have deceitful hearts, right? And if we're doing what's right in our own eyes and not putting Scripture before us, we will go in crazy places. And that's just... And if, if you're older, you understand that. If you're younger, you're like, probably not. You know, you, you'll figure it out. <laughs> because that's what our hearts do. Because we are so wrapped in sin. And so what does Micah do? He goes, okay, perfect. I'm going to steal this. I'm going to return it to my mom. And then she says, we, we want to make a, a, a little god. So they create this little silver god thing and then he creates these little household gods which are like little gods around the one god he creates an ephod which is like a, a like a garment a garment that only the high he wouldn't have even known what an ephod was if he didn't know the that the high priest was the one that wore the ephod right like this was a priestly garment he goes a little shrine somewhere in his house and then he grabs his son and he goes hey you're my priest. <laughs> Which, I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up. I'm like, why? What? What is going on? Why is Micah doing this? So let me ask you a question. If you walked into Micah's house, would you say, Micah's a spiritual man? You probably would. You'd probably say, well, I mean, he seems to be very spiritual, right? And in fact, you know, it's interesting, if you, if you look at history, for, for a while it was um, religion and spirituality was looked down upon. But in today's culture, spirituality is actually, I mean, you can go outside the church and you can see affirmation of spirituality. Spirituality isn't a bad thing. In fact, I have a lot of people in my, in my war, in the military, like, like, it's actually affirmed, like, you should have a spiritual life. They don't tell you what that spiritual life should look like. But you should have something outside of yourself. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Like, people, like, without any sort of religious overtone, they go, you should have something that motivates you externally. Something that inspires you. Something that isn't as... Uh, temporal or fleeting as this world, right? You should have some semblance of spirituality in your life. So that's what Micah does. He creates some spirituality. You do you. He's got something. What, what's wrong with it? 
You see, the problem is, is there's a huge absence of any sort of truth. He created this thing. He knew that it did not exist before he created it. And then he goes and worships it. I don't know. We kind of do the same things, right? Like we, we, if we're not careful, we take spirituality. We, we, we kind of set up these religious things, the ephod, the shrine, right? Maybe it looks different for us, but we go to church on Sunday mornings and we, we, we check that box and maybe we serve a little and we do these things that are religious, that are spiritual, and maybe people would consider you and me spiritual, but is there truth behind it? Is there authority behind it? Is, it? is it actually valid or is it just spirituality for the sake of spirituality, this, this fake worship? I don't know. Because this, is, this, should be, this, should be, this should lead us into a place of caution where we go, why am I here? And what am I doing? What's the point of this? Is this, am I, am I creating something that just makes me feel a little bit better about myself? And I've got something to grab onto if I need it? Or am I here because I'm worshiping the God of all creation? You see, here's, here's the ironic part, and this is, this is why it's not about works, that's why it's about our hearts, because when God created us, he created us for a reason. For a purpose. He's a rational God. He, he has a personality. He breathed life into us. He chose to create us. Not only that, he's communicated to us, right? Through the prophets, through the law, through God's word, through his son. So he, he's communicating to us. He's telling us what, what life looks like, how we ought to live, and, and what, where we can find real peace and contentment, and all of these things, and, and where God exists in relation to us, and where maybe we exist in relation to him. He sets this right relationship for us in his communication to us, and then what, do we, what does he do? Then he comes incarnate as Jesus Christ, right? And he dies on the cross so that we can actually have this relationship with him. Like, Jesus sealed it. Jesus made it happen. He affected it. We have a relationship with God. It's not about some, some spirituality. It's about a relationship. It's about our hearts. And then what does he do? He gives us the Holy Spirit to remind us of that every single day. And so this, this is how our God has communicated to us. You see, there's, there's truth. And then there's just spirituality for the sake of spirituality's sake. And what we need to do, we ought to do, as followers of Christ, is really take this and go, is this an authority in my life? Do I, do I come before God to worship him for who he is and what he's done? Or do I just need a little bit of spirituality to kind of round me out? So that's the first one that we see in Micah. So now, now his story, okay, so here's Micah. He creates this little thing. Well, the silversmith does, right? But he, he builds the shrine. He does all these things. Watch what happens next. Go to uh, verse 7. It says, Now there was a young man of Bethlehem in Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. 
And the man departed from the town of Bethlehem in Judah to sojourn where he could find a place. And as he journeyed, he came to the hill country of Ephraim to the house of Micah. Okay, so you've got this Levite, right? The tribe of Levi, guess what they didn't have? They didn't have any land, right? He was, he was in Bethlehem in Judah. Like that, that's where he was serving. So all the Levites served the, the, the houses of God in different ways, right? And so they would, they would either clean stuff or maintain it, or some of them would be priests, right? Like whatever, whatever that function was, well, he leaves, and he wants to go find a place. That seems very innocuous to us. It seems like, yeah, that's okay. I've moved. I've moved like 10 times, <laughs> right? Like moving's not bad. Well, that might be showing us something that's going on here, something in his heart. It says in verse 10, And Micah said to him, Stay with me, and be to me a father and a priest, and I will give you ten pieces of silver a year and a suit of clothes in your living. Levites also didn't get paid. They got paid in offerings, sustainment, but they didn't get money. And the Levite went in, and the Levite was content to dwell with the man. And the young man became to him like one of his sons, and Micah ordained the Levite, and the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. Look what it says in verse 13. Then Micah said, now I know that the Lord will prosper me because I have a Levite as a priest. <laughs> All right, so there, there's, we see a little more depth to Micah now, right? We see him create this, this little mock spirituality, right? This little fake religion. And then this Levite comes strolling up who, by the way, would have been pretty well-versed in all that there was from a Jewish tradition and Jewish rules and whatnot, right? And he walks up, and he sees the shrine. He sees all of this stuff, and they enter into this little exchange, and he's like, sure, I'll be your priest. And Micah's like, yes, God loves me even more. I am definitely going to be prospered now because I just upgraded from my son as a priest to a Levite as a priest, Where's God? <laughs> Where's God in this? Right? Like, why aren't we talking about God? Why isn't Micah talking about, like, how he's worshiping God? Or, or right? Like, it's really, it's weird. It's kind of like Samson. God kind of slid out from the frame of the movie, and they're just continuing to go without him, doing what's right in their own eyes. So, so we got to wonder, then, what's, what's going on here? What's the dynamic Right? If, we, if we see that this uh, you know, false worship has this spirituality part of this, there's almost this like social affirmation part. There's like this idea that, that the two of them, like Micah feels better about what he's done because of that. He feels better. He's like, I, maybe this is affirmation that what I was doing was right. Maybe my spirituality is right because somebody agrees with me. Oof, that's a really dangerous place to go. Social affirmation, especially now, is really tempting. And for, for the kids in here, and the high schoolers and middle schoolers, and K through fifth, man, this is it, man. <laughs> like, you want something that, 
We, we love affirmation. We love social affirmation. We love when other people gather around us and they're like, yeah, yeah. It's called groupthink. They actually teach, like, that, that's actually really bad, <laughs> right? When everybody's like, uh-huh, let's do this. And then everybody walks off the cliff together. That's what this is, right? And so the Levite comes in. And he's like, okay, this is good. Remember, the Levite was looking for a place. He wants some, some affirmation. He was looking for something. We don't really know much of what was going on, but presumably he had a family and he was serving in, in Bethlehem and for whatever reason, he was trying to find a place. And so he finds the social affirmation in Micah. Micah finds social affirmation in him and, and they're like, done. God is really, really going to like this now. You guys, like, this is not a social club. And I say that because it's, it's very difficult. Because all of these pieces, it's not that God isn't going to give us social affirmation and fellowship. But if that's what we're pursuing, then God has left the frame of the movie. You see, we ought to be pursuing him and him alone. And, and what's going to happen? We're going to have a fellowship that edifies and encourages each other, right? that supports each other, that walks alongside of each other, that, that maybe, even, maybe even says, hey, I, I, what you're doing I don't think is right. That's what, that's what God wants out of this. He doesn't want you to just have a bigger pool of friends. He doesn't want, he's not trying to get you to find people that can help you move on a Saturday. That's not the point of this. Will that come? Yeah, probably. Just don't call me. No, I'm just joking. Um, I'm totally joking. Um, right? But like that's the idea, right? Like this social piece is, is fundamental and critical. And the fellowship, I mean, we read in uh, John 13, 35 that we will be known by our love for one another. So, so it will come. But if we're coming here looking for friends, you guys, we've missed the purpose of why we're here. That one's tough. And, and for some of you, increasingly more difficult, right? If you have a lot of friends on the outside, you know what I mean, in, in work and in different areas of your life, you may be like, yeah, I can give or, give or lose, whatever. The church is whatever. They're just additive friends. But if you don't have a lot of that on the outside, you may come in here desperately looking for friends. Neither of those are healthy, and neither of those are scriptural. You see, the author of Hebrews tell us, tells us that we ought not to give up meeting together. Why? Because together, when we're singing and we're worshiping God, that's what we've been built to do. We are social beings. And we are meant to worship God. All right, the last one, the tribe of Dan. We're going to get into a little bit of history here. Chapter 18 now, verse 1. It says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Again, the author of Judges is reminding us there's no authority, basically, is what, he, what he's continuing to say. In those days there was no king in Israel, and in those days the tribe of the people of Dan was seeking for itself an inheritance to dwell in. For until then no inheritance among the tribes of Israel had fallen to them. Super interesting. I never knew this. I probably should have. I know I say that a lot when I'm up here. If you go to the back of your Bible and you have like a map of the tribes, 
I'd be interested. If you have one, go, feel free to jump back there now and look. I was going to bring one up, but then I, I, I just didn't. But um, the, Dan was given, in Joshua 19.40, they crossed the Jordan. They're in Shiloh, which is actually in the hill country of Ephraim. We'll get to that here in a second. And Joshua apportions out by lot all the places where the tribes are going to go. And in Joshua 19.40, he gives uh, Dan their apportionment. And it's down the southwest corner. And in fact, what borders them is Philistine. Samson was from Dan. Guess who was fighting with the Philistines? Dan, <laughs> right? They got the short stick. They're the ones that are on the outside border. They, got a, they probably were pretty good in, in uh, fighting, I would imagine. And so they're sitting here trying to occupy the land. And, this is, and if you read through Joshua, you can read all the details of, of kind of these people trying to go in and take the land that God had given them. And so they're just, the land isn't falling to them. They're not winning. They're losing over and over again. And in fact, in Joshua 19.47... It describes this very thing. It says, When the territory of the people of Dan was lost to them, it was lost, the people of Dan went up and fought against Leshem. And after capturing it and striking it with the sword, they took possession of it and settled in it, calling Leshem Dan after the name of Dan, their ancestor. So in the back of your Bible, if you have a map, you might see Dan down the southwest corner. Some maps actually show Dan way up on the north side, the furthest northern tribe. In fact, in, uh, actually I think it's going to be in Judges chapter 20, it's going to reference all of Israel from the description of from Dan to Beersheba. It's a, it's a description of like the length of Israel, and Dan was the furthest north. So they went from the far southwest corner all the way to the north. Why? Because they couldn't hang. Because they couldn't, they couldn't conquer the Philistines where God had given them. So look at what they do. So in Judges 18.2, it says, So the people of Dan sent five able men from the whole number of their tribe, from Zorah and from Eshtel, to spy out the land and to explore it. And they said to them, go and explore the land. And they came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, and lodged there. Okay, so, so Dan's like, all I know is that we're losing. <laughs> we got to find somewhere else to go. God gave us this land. But it's hard. It's difficult. Let's go find somewhere that's going to be easier. They didn't care where. They just said, we need to go somewhere. Even though God had apportioned out this land to them. And so what do they do? They go start wandering north. They send five guys up there. And what do they come upon? Micah. Micah and the Levite and their little, their little idol worship thing going on. Their little shrine. He's wearing this cool little suit. And this is what the, the five spies of Dan walk into. Why did Dan leave? Why did Dan leave their territory, their country? Why are these all, and here's, here's the larger question that I started with. What does this have to do with Micah? 
How are these, how are these stories tied together? Because I don't, right, we've, we've talked about this before. We've got to understand the historical context. We've got to understand what the actual story is. And then we have to figure out, like, how does this apply to us and why did God communicate this to us, right? And so, so there's some tie into this because we started with Micah, then we got to the Levite, and now we're at Dan who's migrating to the north and they run into the house of Micah. You see, for, for Dan, the work was hard. They were looking for an inheritance. They were, they were looking for something easy. They were looking for blessings. They were looking for smoother life, peace. They didn't want to have to keep fighting the Philistines. You know, you, you, I'm not going to go too far down this, but the whole story of David and Goliath, right? Like, you know, we're, we're, fighting, our, we're fighting our Goliaths, right? You guys have probably heard that. It's a horrible way to interpret that story. But nonetheless, that's how, that's how people hear that, right? And, and Goliath, a Philistine, correlates to this, like, fighting these sins in our lives. What did Dan do? Dan gave up. Dan was like, we, we're, not, we're never going to beat these things. I just want peace and comfort and tranquility. And so they, they leave. And they go looking for peace and comfort and tranquility. And they think that they're going to find it on their own. Even though God had given them this land, God had put them in this place. God had put them in that job, in that city, in that church, in that family, to work it for his glory. They left. They moved on. They went, man, that's, that's going to be too hard. That relationship is going to be too difficult. You see the, you see the correlation here? And so what, what did their false worship do? Their false worship said, hey, if I, I could do something and I could, I could get some blessings out of this. I could, I could flip this worship of God on its head and, and maybe if I, if I go to church, maybe if I do the right things, maybe, just maybe, God will be happier with me and things will go smoother in my life. You see how that's worshiping ourselves? That's, that's us setting ourselves up at the top and saying, like, this is about me, really. I'll get to God eventually, but right now, I just need some stuff. And again, it's, it's not that God isn't going to bless us. It is. He will. Probably not in the ways that you expect. And those blessings are probably going to come in the form of a relationship with God. What he really cares about, right? Right? Our hearts. That's how he's going to bless us. Not with nice new cars and a bigger house and, and no conflict in your relationships and no conflict in, at your work and no conflict in it, right? That's not it, right? We, we talked about this last time. We, we use this false Christian term of peace to really say that we just don't want trouble in our lives. <laughs> and so we say we want peace and it sounds good. And this is what Dan was pursuing. And so, so this is what they do. And so what, what does it say? In verse 5, it says, They said to him, so they're talking to Micah and the Levite, these five spies. It says, And they said to him, Inquire of God, please, that we may know whether the journey on which we are setting out will succeed. Well, you don't go halfway on your journey and then ask God if, if this is what you should be doing, right? And this is exactly what they do. And, and what does the Levite do? He goes to the little silver God, and he prays to him, or whatever he does, and he says, he gave you the thumbs up. He says, go. Good luck. Have fun. 
It's all, it's all made up, right? Like there's nothing, there, there's no actual God involved in this. There's no spiritual pursuit involved in this other than this fake stuff. There's no truth involved in this. So skip down to verse 16. It says, now the 600 men of the, sorry, let me, let me back up real quick. So the spies come back to Dan and they're like, we found some land. They're weak. <laughs> they don't need, there's nobody around them. We could totally take them. And then we can have that, that land for us. Let's do it. And exactly what we just read in Joshua in 1947 is what's going to happen. They're going to go up and they're going to conquer this land. So it says now in verse 16, Now the 600 men of the Danites, armed with their weapons of war, stood by the entrance of the gate. This is Micah's gate. And the five men who had gone to scout the land went up and entered and took the carved image, the ephod, the household gods, and the metal image, while the priests stood by the entrance of the gate with the 600 men, armed with weapons of war. And when these men went into Micah's house and took the carved image, the ephod, and the household gods, and the metal image, the priest said to them, what are you doing? And they said to him, keep quiet, put your hand on your mouth, and come with us, and be to us a father and a priest. Is it better for you to be a priest to the house of one man, or to be priest to a tribe and clan in Israel? And the priest's heart was glad. He took the ephod and the household gods and the carved image and went along with the people. See, now we, get, we see even more about this Levite's pursuits, right? Oh, not, I won't just get some social affirmation. I'm actually becoming legitimized at this point. And Dan, Dan's like, hey, this looks good. We'll take this religion. What is this? What do you call it? What's the name? Yeah, that's our God. And they bring him along. So, so Micah's just little bit of pursuit of spirituality, a little bit of idolatry gets transferred. The Levite gets wrapped into this, and now this Levite gets tra transfers this whole idolatry to the tribe of Dan. And then look at what it says in verse 29. And they, so they go up, they conquer the city, and it says, And they named the city Dan, after the name of Dan their ancestor, who was born to Israel. But the name of the city was Laishat the first. And the people of Dan set up the carved image for themselves. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, son of Moses, and his sons were priests to the tribe of the Danites until the day of the captivity of the land. It's institutionalized now. What happened? What happened to this little fake spirituality? It became rooted. It went down family lines. It, it spread through the tribe. It spread through the land. Guess what ends up happening? Dan becomes like the center of idol worship for all of Israel. They're going to be the first ones to fall to Assyria in 722 B.C. and probably about 300 years later. They have completely rejected God. And where did it start? It started with this little bit of hey, this is a little bit of cool religion. Let me see if I can't bring this around and conform this to my life. That's where it started. And then look what it says in verse 31. So they set up Micah's carved image that he made as long as the house of God was at Shiloh. So it goes back. It specifically says this is Micah's God that he made. <laughs> no significance whatsoever. And then what does it say? 
all the while, the house of God was at Shiloh. Here's the crazy part of this whole story. And again, I wish I had a map up here. I'm sorry. I, I totally should have. Go back and look at it. You know where Shiloh was? It was like right by Micah's house. <laughs> so all of this is going on. It's not like Micah's like, oh, well, it's Jerusalem and I got to go a long ways. And, and, you know, church is a far drive for me. Or it wasn't anything like that. It was right next door. And who walks through the mountains, right? It says the hill country of Ephraim. Micah lived there. The Levite walked through there. The spies went through there. All the Danites went through there. Guess what else was there? Shiloh, the tent of meeting, the Ark of the Covenant. God himself dwelt right there in Shiloh, and they missed him. They missed him. You see, you guys, like, this is... This is where we need to go, wow, I don't want to miss God. And yet we are so tempted by all of these things that seem good. They, seem, they, have, this, they have this false spirituality to them. And they have this, there's these little, these little side jaunts that, that, that seem innocent. And we're not talking about morality here, right? The question that I start off with is, why are we here? Are we worshiping God? Because that's why we were created. And that's why we're here. That's why we should be here. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 31. Actually, 6, 33. Can you just skip forward to the third one there? Seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else, everything else will follow after. Do you, is that your faith? Because that is faith in Christ. That if we seek his kingdom, the, the, the spirituality, the social affirmation, the blessing, like those will come. God will put you exactly where he wants you because he created you for a purpose to glorify him. And in whatever situation he's going to put you in, you have an opportunity to glorify him. Or on the other hand, are we, are we pursuing all these other things and the kingdom of God gets the back seat until we're ready? Because I'll tell you, church, we'll never be ready. And in fact, what's going to happen is you're going to get further and further away. And like the tribe of Dan, we're going to find that we're worshiping something that's not God. You guys, this is, this is us as a community of believers going, we all need to be checking each other. We need to be checking our hearts. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? You know, in, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be moving, right? We're going we're gonna to be moving down the street. Stay tuned. But man, I'm scared because I'm checking my heart. And, and those pastors, like, we're talking about this because we want to do this for the right reasons. And, and we want us to be motivated for God's glory, to live on mission, to make disciples. That's what we want. But oh, how easy that fate is. And what we're requiring, you guys, is that all of you go, no. No, that's, this isn't right here. I don't know what the next bit of time looks like. I, we have no idea. We, 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 we pray, and we're thinking about it, and we're talking about it. We have no real idea of what God has in store for us. And, and so what we need to be doing is getting on our knees and praying and asking for God's discernment and wisdom as we move forward. And we go, we feel like this is where God wants us to go. 
but we don't want to waver to the left or to the right. And so we're counting on us as a body of believers to go, we're doing this in faith. We're seeking God's kingdom first. And so that's our prayer. That's our prayer for us as a church. That's our prayer for all of us. That's a prayer for, that I have for myself, for my kids, for you all. Because there's so many other things for us to seek. See, and, and here's, here's the amazing, beautiful part. And we'll wrap it all the way back to the beginning. God created us. And he loves us. And he wants our hearts. He wants a relationship with us. He doesn't want fake spirituality. He doesn't want you to have a social club. He doesn't want you to just have, live a luxurious life of peace and contentment. He wants you to know him. And that's why his son came. That's the good news. Because you know what this doesn't require? This doesn't require you praying in a certain number of days. Or this doesn't require you having a certain number of church attendance. This requires you love God. And that you know who he is. And that you fall before him and worship him. And that's what we're called to do. Let me pray.